You're listening to Something Real with Pastor Rich Zeiger, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. On today's episode, we're talking about two mothers, Elizabeth and Mary, and how their stories contrast and how they're actually pretty similar. We're also talking about how God answers prayer, and it might not be in the way that we always expect. These two women are great examples of that. So let's get started. Well, as we enter the month of May, uh, Mother's Day is fast approaching. It's going to be here before we know it. Um, We've been going through this uh, Gospel of Luke, and and we're in the second chapter in the sermon series, but this kind of causes me to look back at the two mothers that we looked at in chapter one of Luke's Gospel, and uh, as we see Elizabeth and Mary, there's some contrast between these two, obviously some very very strong comparisons, but... um, but Luke has been using these paired contrasts to show the comprehensiveness of the gospel, to show uh, God's involvement, the nature and character of God. Um, and now, as I see these two stories, the things that kind of stand out to me is how God interacts uh, differently with both of them. They're both mothers, or going to be. Uh, they both um, have this life-altering stuff that that's delivered by an angel. Elizabeth's message comes to her husband, and Mary uh, has it delivered directly to her. But it's kind of mind-boggling to, to look at what we can actually learn about how God answers prayer. And um, Stacy, you and I have talked a number of times about God answering prayer and uh, appropriate prayers and, and so on, and we'll develop that at some point in one of these podcasts, I'm sure, as we, as we get along with that. But... Um, this is really a contrast in how God answers prayer between Elizabeth and Mary. Well, sure. And it's, you know, we were talking a few minutes ago how Elizabeth, you know, in her old age, she had prayed and prayed and prayed for a child for years. I mean, you can assume a long time before right. the present. And so God chose to answer her prayer in this way at this time. But then you have Mary who is receiving an answer to a prayer that she probably didn't pray for right yeah and i think we get that a lot and i think we we get frustrated sometimes with those same dynamics and you know you and i've talked about this uh already today before we began the podcast so i guess just as uh, some background for uh those who are listening in today to this conversation i I enjoy hanging out and talking with you so (laughs) i'm glad that other people get to listen in hopefully they can benefit from it but elizabeth was a, a descendant of aaron you know moses's brother um, who was the, the head of the priestly line of Israel. And so Elizabeth is in that priestly line, happens to also be married to uh, Zechariah, who's a priest. Uh, this, this special lineage uh, gave a, uh, had a, it was a sacred ancestry, and it had sacred privileges that came along with it, and a certain status, a uh, very special place in uh, Jewish society. Uh, and she was also a, a, a righteous woman, Luke tells us, that, that uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah both uh, lived in an upright manner before the Lord, and uh, as um, as righteous people, uh, uh, they they lived for God. And Elizabeth was one who faithfully lived for God and obeyed His commands. And um, yet, throughout her adult life, Elizabeth had been identified both by herself and by others as barren. Uh, that's kind of a hard word. We don't use that that kind of language today very often. How but. big of a deal? 
is that back then huge i mean that's, <laughs> i mean you would think and having you know having dealt with some of those um, questions yourself you right. know as a mother now and and for uh, a number of years before that um, wanting a baby and, and having things not go the way you would expect um, that's hard anyway it's it's hard for anybody when you're unable to bear children and that's what you want right. so much more so i mean it, even if we were talking about 50 years ago um people in America had a different view of childbearing, had a different view of parenting. But we're going back to a different time and culture when this was seen as something completely other than than how we view it today. So Because um, children were seen as as you were blessed if you had children. Right. Yeah, this was uh, conception is something that comes from God uh, and which is absolutely right. Uh, and it was seen as God's blessing and and conversely if you were not able to have children, that was rejection by right. God. That was like a, a, a curse, if you will. And so the idea, that, that concept of barrenness um, was bigger than just infertility. You mm-hmm. know, today that's the term we might use. But, but barrenness uh, bore with it a, a, a connotation of purposelessness, that I was put on this earth for this reason and I can't fulfill this purpose. Um, God commanded uh, man and woman to be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. That was seen as one of the key uh, key purposes for marriage and one of the key purposes in just existence. And so we don't see it that way today. We, you know, we, we see marriage as a different thing. Not that it is a different thing, but we right. see it as a different thing. Uh, and so for Elizabeth in particular, this became her identity, you know, this, this idea of, of being barren, being a barren woman. And That's such a bummer. I mean, to think about <laughs> how she saw herself that way. For so, forever. <laughs> forever, you know, and, and we don't know how old she was. You know, lifespans were a little bit different. But um, the Bible in the Old Testament, you know, it said that 70 years was a, a, approximately a normal lifespan. Obviously, that wasn't always the case. But they're described as old, as an elderly couple. Mm-hmm. And so for that to be the case, you're probably talking about, you know, 60s, 70s at that time. Um, they're at the at the place where they're at the end of their life. They're the home stretch by normal human expectation. Mm-hmm. Could have been older than that, yeah. uh, but but not likely that they'd be much younger than that, or they wouldn't have been considered o- too old to have children. Here they are. She was barren as a young woman. Now they're too old together to have children anyway. Right. And yet we see that they're still praying for that. Zechariah prays, you know, for a child. And we know that Elizabeth probably even more so than her husband, it, it, and that's speculation on my part for sure. But I think that's the kind of thing that, that um, was more of a reflection to her of her identity that she would have identified with that because people would see the woman as barren. Zechariah still had his, his, work role if you will as the priest Mm -hmm. he was still able to to fulfill the function of a man and yet she had this this internal shame of i can't have children identity what a horrible thing you know there's so many times that that um we get caught up in these false identity equations we see ourselves differently than how god sees us it creates so many myriad problems and that's a conversation for another day but but to look at at Elizabeth thinking of herself that way, feeling the the burning weight of others' eyes upon her, um, you know, oh, there's that barren Elizabeth, poor Elizabeth, you know, pity Elizabeth right. because she can't have children. Um, so into her, <clears throat> excuse me, into her old age, yeah. she was still praying. 
for a child? Yeah. Well, Gabriel, as he answers, as he speaks to Zechariah about this child they're going to have, says, you know, the Lord has heard your prayers. You know, your prayers have been answered. Well, so they're still praying for a child. There's no real conceivable way right. that they're thinking, okay, we're still going to have a child. So right. as they're praying, probably, and we're not told <laughs> this, this is, you know, reaching into details that aren't given to us, right. but probably, like a lot of us, praying and either thinking God's going to do this through some form of adoption, you know, that sure. they're going to have a child, but it will be born by someone else and we'll be able to raise this child and, and it will be our own and we'll pass on our name, we'll pass on our values. But even, I mean, even that would have been difficult at that sure. age. I right. mean, you don't hear about typically 70, 80 year olds adopting babies. Yeah, that's, that's not <laughs> normal in our day right. for sure. Uh, but still had that desire, still wanted that identification, still wanted to pass on their family line. That was a sure, really big sense, deal yeah. for them. Um, but in all likelihood, like so many of us, praying a prayer and earnestly wanting it to be answered and yet probably not really fully believing that it's going to be. Yeah. You know, which is interesting to me. Jesus talked about uh, praying, you know, having a single mind, praying and not doubting. And James mm-hmm. uh, talked about that. And Paul talked about that is this idea of praying with earnest belief. And yet we know that that's not how a lot of us pray. We pray, but we don't really think God's going to do it. And we pray for the salvation of our loved ones. And yet we, in our, in our hearts and minds, feel like, well, that's probably never going to happen. And we might not say it outright, but somewhere nagging in our mind is that idea of kind of just sort of going through the motion with our prayers. Not that we believe it less, not that we, um, not that we feel less passionate about it, but that we, we stop having the expectation that God's going to deliver on that. And I just wonder sometimes if that wasn't how Elizabeth felt. Well, at that point, you can only imagine. That's, right. I mean, I want a child so badly, but realistically, I, I know this probably isn't going to happen. Right, and you start to perceive yourself according to that. Addicts do that all the time. That's one. Of, that's my, my one real beef. Um, I have a few tweaks that I would make if I were having a 12-step program, but, but one of my few real beefs about it is the idea that I always view myself as an addict it's a kind of a victim mentality and I define myself according to that well that's not a good biblical identity formula but we tend to all do that we identify ourselves according to our weaknesses our fears our failures mm-hmm. and for Elizabeth when when, well, when she the whole has world slapping that label on you it's almost absolutely. impossible not to see yourself that so, way so and we see her <clears throat> saying you know the Lord has taken away my shame that's yeah. a burden that is, is weighing on and so God answers this prayer that she's been praying for so long. And when he answers it, he answers it in a way that is not in any way possibly what she was thinking of. There's no chance. Maybe zero 40 chance. years ago. <laughs> but, but even then, even 40 years ago, there is zero chance that she was praying, Lord, I want to be the mother of the forerunner of oh, Messiah. Well, yeah. I want to be the one person that you choose to bear the one who will come right. in the spirit and power of Elijah. She just wanted a baby. She just wanted a baby. <laughs> and to be able to raise this baby in the in the Lord as a righteous woman who's living for God, wanting to you know, and especially for folks that are you're you're immersed in the scriptures in the in the priesthood you know they wanted to pass on the the values of that the truth of god's word to their child well now you're going to have this child 
the angel shows up and says, you're going to have the child prophesied in the Old Testament that will go be Messiah to turn the hearts of Israel to make ready a people for the Lord. Wow, this is mind-blowing. I mean, think about if you... You know, if you knew that your child was going to be president of the United States, that that's kind of mind blowing. Yeah. You have this this prophecy. And it's huge. Says, you know, <laughs> it's nicely played. Uh, again with the pop culture references. But as uh, as big as that would be, this is that times a hundred. Well, yeah. This is like, you know, bigger than anything. Not just your child's going to be president. Your child's going to be bigger than Abraham Lincoln. This is going to be the the thing. And there's no chance that she was praying for that. Well, no. So God did what he did, answering her prayers, but waited way longer than she would have ever imagined. You know, when you get to a certain point, God hasn't answered our prayers. And I think we all tend toward this. And maybe we keep praying. Most often we probably don't. Right. But we kind of give up on the idea that God's ever going to answer our prayer. This isn't going to happen, right. so why bother? So then when God does answer after decades mm. of praying, how much sweeter is that answer? How much greater is the glory that God gets? And he gets? answers it in such a fashion. Bigger like, than you ever right. imagined. Could not have ever done that. And so in the middle of this, it's it's like, what? Right. This, that's not even possible. Right. So it's not really all that shocking that Zechariah, as the priest, still praying for this, is like, um, what? <laughs> no, I, I don't buy it. You right. Know? And so... He has this sign that he, now he can't speak until the baby is born. But mm-hmm. as they go through this, uh, I get that. I would feel totally. that way too. You know, if, if I've been praying for a, a baby since you know I was a young man with and my young I'm in bride, seventies. Exactly. Right. I'm on the back end of life. All of my other friends' kids now have kids. Sure. And, you know, and I got nothing. Have, right. You kind of give up on it, and yet God shows up and does stuff that you never had in mind he's like don't doubt me bro or this is what's going to happen to you. <laughs> yeah, right. well and then you got mary on the other side yeah, i was just going to say you know going back to the idea that mary was feasibly a teenager right yeah it would not have been it's it's very reasonable to assume that for sure a young woman right uh, it would be very common for uh, women at that time to marry young and probably marry right. an older man that was the uh, a fairly customary thing but more importantly a virgin that's kind of important to the so, story. So, yeah. you know, you, maybe you think, you know, when you're a, a young woman, a teenager, when you're a girl, yeah, I'd like to have kids one day. Yeah. You know, how nice would it be to have the white picket fence and my right, family yeah. and whatever. But I'm sure, you know, regardless of whether Clean Mary house was... house with the girls in the neighborhood, right. you know. And, but I'm sure whether Mary was thinking about that or, or praying about it one day, she wasn't praying about this. No, there's <laughs> not on her radar. And, and her response, her humble response seems to indicate that, that... Oh, um, what? I'm blown right. away. Not in disbelief, but in wonder, in, in that form of disbelief. And I think, you know, we touched on it briefly earlier, how important that is to recognize in, in today's world, because I think oftentimes we'll pray for something and we'll stay so focused on what we want in our lives, what we want, what we want. Please, right. God, please, God, please, God. And he can answer it in a totally different way right. that we weren't even thinking about, Not but it's for radar. the greater good, and it changes our life. Exactly. And in Mary's case, it changed everyone's life. For sure. <laughs> and, and again, we talked about the paired content, contrast. So Elizabeth is old. Mary is young. She's been uh, Elizabeth's been praying for a baby as a married woman for decades. Mary's not married. 
hasn't been in a, the physical relationship that would produce a child. So it's not, while she might be praying to someday be a mother, right. she's not disappointed. She's not expecting it. Right. None, nothing like that. Right. Um, Mary's from a poor family. Uh, we know that from the sacrifice that she and Joseph offer. And as they um, go through this, um, they're, they're dealing with things from a completely different level. And so we do have a contrast. So for both of these women, God had a plan that was not even a blip on their radar. And, and with this angelic messenger uh, for each of them, one through obviously her husband, you know, Elizabeth um, received this message from Zechariah. But um, as God sent this angelic messenger to them, uh, he declared what God was going to do. And in both cases, absolutely shattered the way Elizabeth and Mary viewed themselves and their respective futures. And so... God revealed that his plans were not limited by what they sought or expected. Or so. who they were being told they were. Because, you know, we talked right, about absolutely. we talked about earlier yeah. Elizabeth had this reputation her entire life mm-hmm. of being this barren woman and the and the, you know, stipulations that go along with that, or the, you know, flat out name calling that goes along with that. Yeah. And then Mary, after she after people find out that she's having a baby she gets all these labels attached to her yeah for sure there's no way that she was able to get through that unscathed right. as an unwed mother you know and even joseph i'm sure took a lot of that stuff you know for staying sure for, you've right. been faithful right, 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 right it's right. all good you know but yeah. do you think that happens a lot when because that's interesting that contrast and yet the strong similarities there with the things where almost a, a afraid that we're going to get we're sometimes I feel like we're afraid to get answers to our prayers because they might not be exactly what we thought of or exactly what we want and we might get mm-hmm. we might people might look at us a certain way or we might look at it ourselves a certain way yeah and I think that happens even when we're not you know like you said afraid to, to have our prayers answered sometimes we think in our minds I'm going to pray it's going to come you know everything's going to come together in this neat little Package. tied up bundle right and it doesn't and so then um, and God knows this. So the things that God does in answer to our prayers often leave us with unexpected things on our end. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, God does this awesome thing for Elizabeth. And, you know, that I, I, I mean, I'm speculating because it doesn't tell us why she was in seclusion. And I don't I can't say for sure uh, if there's a historical context that would be uh, easy for us to recognize that that was a normal thing. I, I don't know that. But what I do know is that it would not in any way be surprising for her to stay in seclusion for five months. In other words, not tell anybody she's pregnant because she didn't want to have to face the idiots who were going to be talking like, sure, you're pregnant. You know, right. you're really, oh, now you are pregnant, but constantly doting over you. You're too old to have a baby. You're going to yeah. die. The baby's going to die. You know, it's like lose, thing. lose. Right. And so <clears throat> you get to this place where now your third going your third trimester here and you okay sh- you show um, yourself hey guess what <laughs> you, know, so, o- you know only letting the inner circle in right. prior to that um, and I don't, I don't know that I'm speculating but that seems to fit oh, I mean, that seems to be yeah. a logical thing and same thing with with Mary so that you've got these negative things that you're dealing with but I think also in a positive way God shatters this identity equation for them so mm-hmm. you know Elizabeth sees herself as barren, sees mm-hmm. herself as too old, sees mm-hmm. herself as, you know, a second-class citizen. And God breaks in and says, heck no, you, you are who I say you are. I define your identity. Totally changes her own picture of herself. And I have to guess that probably having encountered this supernatural, amazing thing, 
she didn't care that much what <laughs> other people thought at yeah. this point. Yeah, okay. An angel talked to my husband. God's got this thing figured out. I'm having a baby. Yeah. You all can go pound sand. It doesn't matter to me. That's my favorite but, thing. <laughs> but she probably, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe she's in seclusion just because she doesn't want to deal with dumbness. I don't want to blame her for that either. So then Mary's on the opposite end. And, and if she's a typical young woman, which we have every reason to believe that she is. There's sure. nothing in Scripture that says that, that she was some, you know, supernaturally perfect person. That, that's not in any way the picture of Scripture. But if she's a, just a normal young woman, she probably, like most, like you would have, like like any young person would feel, is you know I'm too young. I'm you know I don't know as much as I should. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a limit. There's we put a ceiling on what we're able to contribute to life. So I, especially coming from a poor background, and and because we see that they offered the sacrifice of the poorest uh, folks at the temple, we know that. Mary and Joseph are poor. Poor people define themselves by that. So she's probably seeing herself as poor, as too young, as dependent, as limited. And God says, I've got other plans. You are not who you think you are. You're who I say you are. But gosh, do we still do that today? Absolutely, without any question. I think that's one of the... We define ourselves by either what other people define us as or, or our, right. like we said earlier, our weaknesses. Right, yeah. We, our we our we flaws. Yeah. That's and what we see ourselves as. I think that's one of the... Um, one of the things we don't really probably talk about enough in the church is the power of our identity in Christ. And, mm-hmm. and for anybody listening, I'd strongly recommend a couple of books by uh, Dr. Neil Anderson, uh, Victor of the Darkness and Bondage Breaker, in dealing with those false identity equations and being able to process the, the power. Victor of the Darkness in particular is a, is a discipleship-oriented book in looking at what it means, what it actually means to be in Christ, to be saved, how that changes everything about who you are, and how we can apply that, how knowing and understanding that identity gives us power to experience the freedom that Jesus already paid for us. That's a, you know, a little plug for the book and not really on, on not uh, what we're talking about here. But, but it really is, I mean, it kind of is what we're talking about here because both of these women would have had their own natural way of viewing themselves, mm-hmm. their picture of their own identity. The world around them had this picture of who right. they were. And we get stuck in that. Oh, you know, yeah. you're... You're from the wrong side of the tracks, or you're black, you're white. Come from this family, yeah. Right, you know, so, and with all of the divisiveness that we see in our world today, people preach tolerance and yet are more intolerant than you can possibly imagine. It's astonishing to me. And the more we preach about it, the less we actually live it. Mm -hmm. But if we could see things from God's perspective and begin to view ourselves according to his word and according to the identity equations that he gives us, then we're no longer thinking of ourselves as barren and too old or poor and too young or just just a woman or just this or, or just, just a teenager that. Just, or just a teenager a, you know. right and so you know we that's not that's not the biblical picture or the christian picture of how we view humanity unfortunately because we haven't understood that well and we haven't talked about it well we we miss out on it but god has always been in the business of bringing about the, the true picture of his image in us and what that means. And so I think as he answers these women's prayers, it, in again, very different ways, very different ways. And, and for clearly for his deliberate purposes, one of the things that should be coming out to us is I don't define my own identity. I don't limit God's activity. 
I others don't define my identity others don't either. define it and don't Which limit I think God's is activity. Almost harder. So to I, you know, God's with with Elizabeth. You're talking about somebody from the priestly line who is, um, you know, to the extent that a small town priest family yeah. would be affluent on on that scale. Um, not not like wealthy, not living in a palace, but comfortable, respected, has some status in society. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, Mary and Joseph on the other end of it, completely, Nothing. they're, you know, poor, common, um, ties to the Davidic line, right. to the to the uh, royal line, but not, uh, there is no king, so the, that's more of a, a some, one of those things that you keep in mind, like, if I, you know, oh yeah, I had relatives that came over on the Mayflower. Yeah. I, I didn't, but my brother-in-law did. <laughs> you know, with those kinds of things, it doesn't bear any weight for me right now today. Right. But it is be like cool, right? Yeah. So <laughs> it, it, they didn't get any temporal benefit from right. it at that point. But God interacts with them, and you know, there's so much more that I really want to say here. But I know we need to wrap it up. So one of the things that kind of stood out to me is, you know, there are two verses uh, from one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament that, as we're going through this, uh, jumped out at me, and I really wanted to preach this, and it didn't fit uh, what we were trying to get through in the narrative part of the story. Um, so I included it in the church newsletter, and, and I wanted to include it today. But, you know, we see the paired contrast of these two mothers. These two verses kind of jump out. With, with Elizabeth, it reminded me of uh, ancient Judah facing exile in Babylon. And and would be so easy for her, just like just like the nation of Judah, that remnant that was left of Israel, um, it would be so easy to feel abandoned, to feel like, you know, God's turned his back. He's not listening to my prayers. She's been praying this for so long. Nothing seems to be happening. I think that happens to a lot of us. But God spoke to Judah, and as he spoke to Judah, he also spoke to the Judah and and the Elizabeth and Mm -hmm. all of us um, through a verse that many of us are familiar with in Jeremiah 29, 11, where he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And, And Judah is in that same kind of thing where it's like, oh gosh, you know, we thought God loved us. Clearly he doesn't. He must, he's rejecting us because we're being carried off into exile. And God says, no, you're going to be carried off into exile, but I'm going to bring you back because I know what I'm doing. You don't. I don't have to tell you. I'm going to tell you in this case because I want you to know, but I don't have to tell you. Nonetheless, I love you and this is going to turn out for your good and for my glory. Mm -hmm. And for Mary, she's, you know, overwhelmed with wonder not only in response to the angel's proclamation but as elizabeth's child this prophesied child that's still in her womb uh, breaks into this spontaneous worship of christ uh, when she shows up for a visit and we we see that uh, elizabeth said the, the the baby inside of me leapt when you when you came and then she begins to prophesy and it, it's just pretty awesome that's from verse 44 in luke in luke 1 uh, but Mary must be, you know, as <laughs> she's so overcome with the wonder of this, I just think she may have realized, before, you know, obviously she had never read Paul because Paul wasn't even around yet, you know. Uh, so she must have been realizing what Paul would later on write in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, one of my favorite passages that somebody first read to me, uh, that first grabbed me when I was in college. And I guess as we wrap this up, that would be my my prayer for all of us that we would find encouragement in His words of worship and and uh, recognize with Mary as as Paul's pen cries out, 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And so as Mary had prayers answered that she could never have even dreamed of praying, we too know that, that God can do more than we can even begin to think to pray. And that should be encouraging for all of us. Whether we're praying it right now or not. Amen. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. We're, we'll keep getting longer. <laughs> of course we do. <laughs> we'll keep going for a, a new record each and every time. Our goal is to build up to 45 minutes, right? Oh, wait. That's not the goal. That's not my goal. That's going to be your goal. You're going to need to bring coffee next time. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll keep moving forward in Luke uh, as we continue. Uh, Be sure to listen to our Sunday sermons. That'll dive more into what we're talking about. And then we'll continue our more casual conversations where I'll insert random pop culture references into everything we do. Be sure to check us out on Facebook. Download the Anchor app if you haven't already. And you can leave us a voice message if you ever have any questions or comments. Thanks so much. 